seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 183 of Color of Magic, your magic and gaming podcast, where we talk about all types of issues that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers. As always, I'm your host, Jaquan Watson, and for 183 episodes, I got my main man still dealing with his kids in the great state of Texas down there and all the lovely stuff going on, Brian Allen. How's it going, man? It's going. (laughs) Yeah, that's about all you can say, man. Hey, you know, at least you're not in, like... Florida, Missouri, true. Indiana. Yeah, exactly. The, the list of states that at least you're not in is getting longer and longer. Arkansas. <laughs> like, oh, man, it's a mess out there. Virginia, I think, is now on the list. Oh, man, there's there's tons right now of stuff going on. It's getting crazy out there for sure. But, yeah, man, uh, I, there's this is that weird spot, right? Right before a set comes out for Magic, you know, we're about, well, when people are listening to this, we'll probably be watching early access stuff. And we're even in like in real life, non-gaming stuff. It's also kind of like a weird change of things around, right? Because you have like baseball just starting up. Everybody's finally had their like first couple of home games now, right? You've got the NBA playoffs starting. Hell, we're actually between second tier football seasons, right? We're coming up on the playoffs for XFL and the UFSL, I think, kicks off this week or next week. So it's like it's it's a it's a weird change of the season kind of moment for everything right now. Not something I think we've had to this level before, so it's kind of interesting. Hell, even if you're a wrestling fan, we don't know where the hell WWE is going because they got bought even, right? So there's, everything's changing. It's, it's Supposedly they claim nothing much is going to change. So I guess we'll see. Yeah, wait till we start seeing some UFC dude showing up to cut promos for their matches on the following weekend or whatever. You know that's coming. And even then, they've kind of always, you know, had like a, almost a talent sharing agreement with you. Every time yeah. Lesnar shows up, seems like he brings some other UFC guy with it. I mean, even before Lesnar, Shamrock, just any UFC guy that will, I guess, quote unquote, lower themselves to do pro wrestling, they will happily employ and they always have. Dude, I'm I'm still mad that we wasted that whole thing for him to like take Kofi out in like 10 seconds or whatever. And just for some dumb storyline from a dude from his past from UFC to show up on that pay-per-view and then go nowhere after that. Like, I, that was the worst. That was the worst. But before we get into everything else, let me tell you about our friends over at Cardsphere. You should go check them out. They're a great site too. Matter of fact, I just had some cards show up today from Cardsphere to finish out my decks that I could take with me to uh, Command Fest Orlando. So I wanted to finish those decks off. Cards got here in time. It was awesome. And I didn't have to take that long. Most of the time, people send stuff out pretty quick and you get it in like a week or less. So it's pretty nice. You should check them out, though, over at Cardsphere.com. And if you want to support the show directly, you can go over to Patreon.com slash Color of Magic and you can get a shout out just like Carlton Parsons. Thank you so much for being a member. And you can get some merchandise over at ColorofMTG.com slash shop. All right. Let's get into the soapboxy things. And this one, this is one of our lighter soapbox things, but this is more of just like, I'm taking up for people in the community on this one because one, I've run events before. Hell, I've probably run literally thousands of events before. And there are some basic things you need to do to make sure you have a quality event. And one of those things, you know, 
I, there were I, this comes up because I'm into a bunch of different communities and I see people griping over the last week or two from events they've gone to saying like, ah, sucks that there was no food nearby or the only food that was there was like the regular venue food or whatever, you know, which hit or miss. Some places do have really good food. You know, some most places, places don't. Yeah, yeah most don't. Now, I will tell you, the spot we were at in Virginia, uh, in Roanoke last year, their convention center actually had some decent food there. I was kind of surprised. I was impressed. But a lot of them, I mean, you're talking about the lower 10 or 15% have good food there. The rest are pretty bad. And they're overpriced, right? So I get why people are griping, especially if you're doing a really big event, because you're mostly going to have non-locals, right? They've flown in, taken Ubers, whatever. So you got to take care of your people. So the easiest thing you can do, especially currently, is check out your venues ahead of time. Now, sometimes it's just scheduling conflicts. You can't necessarily get the venue you want on the weekend you want or whatever. That I understand. But if food is not readily available, or at least within like, we'll call it up to five blocks walking distance. Because further than that, especially if you're in a place like in the south during the summer or whatever, like nobody wants to be walking 10, 15 blocks in the heat. That ain't a thing. Just call food trucks. Like, that's literally what we did. Because, well, you know from the area, right? If you're down at the Arlington Convention Center, there ain't nothing nearby except for, like, the the Rangers Stadium and Six Flags or whatever. <laughs> that's the only thing nearby. So we'd used it before. We knew what was going on. So when we did our big event there, went out, got food trucks. Like, look around the area, call some numbers, ask people what their favorite food trucks are. And you're doing a local business a favor, Right. They loved it. Like, they were like, how many people are you going to have? When do you need me? Yeah, cool. We'll be there. Nobody says no. You're literally telling them, like, hey, I'm going to bring you an audience of, who knows, between 800 and possibly two, 3,000 people that have nowhere else to go for food. All you got to do is pull up. Like, I'm not even worried about taking a percentage of their money or nothing. Like, you're doing me a favor. We're doing you a favor. Like, it's all good. Right? We're both winning here. People are going to love our event more because think about it. Even as a, as a attendee, if you're going to spend the money, you'd rather spend it on like quality food from a food truck. If it's going to be a little more expensive than like an overpriced pretzel or salad or whatever, right? Like that, that's the thing. And if y'all ain't been to some food, there are food trucks out here that are killing it. (laughs) I mean, like I, I'm mad that I live in an area that doesn't have a lot of quality food trucks because where I used to live, there was, there was like a, a a row where they would pull up and they'd there'd be different ones throughout the week. And you could get desserts, you can get barbecue, you can get Mexican food. Like it was great. It's all restaurant quality practically, just coming out of a truck. So yeah. If you ever run into that issue, maybe you have somebody's just new running an event or whatever, but just talk to them and say, like, hey, here's the thing that sucks. It was really inconvenient. And then just recommend to them, like, hey, is there any chance you could get some food trucks here next time? Because I really want to come back to your events, but not having enough food or quality food nearby, it's a bummer, right? And they can work it out, I promise you. But yeah, just just a little tip there. If you want to help make your events better, you want to help somebody else make their events better, tell them to work with local food trucks. Matter of fact, we did that, I want to say with Akon one year. That was a thing. One of those, one of the anime conventions in the Dallas area. 
that we worked, but they had literally just a row of food trucks show up because it's tons of people. Because that's the other thing too. Even when there's food available at the venues, if there's not multiple options, the lines are just too damn long. Cause now you got, you know, three, four, 5,000 people, especially if your scheduling's done to where there's basically longer lunch breaks. So everybody's breaking at the same time. That's not a win for anybody. So yeah, food trucks, that's the answer. And if you haven't, Go support your local food truck vendors because the food's good and they're local businesses. Food trucks are the answers to so many questions. <laughs> they really are, man. They really are. Great answer, food truck. All right. I'm going to let you have it. All right. Uh, there, there's been a lot of uh, I guess, uh, kerfuffle. <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know why I said kerfuffle. But, uh, just, That's uh, kind of what it is, though. Yeah. Uh, there's a picture from it's I guess a promotional picture, a promotional picture from Creed Three with Jonathan Majors and Michael B. Jordan basically hugging each other. And yes, I know Jonathan Majors has a whole other set of problems. That'll be yes, probably that'll be a soapbox at, at some future point, I would imagine, because we got a lot in theory, a lot more Jonathan Majors appearances coming. We'll find out. But anyway, uh, the rapper Cameron posted the kind of just snarkily saying, see, this is why I didn't go see Creed 3. Basically, kind of just slamming their masculinity for hugging each other. And really, I just want to say, time out for that nonsense. Especially in this time, we need to be encouraging people, male, female, black, white, whatever, check on your friends. Let your friends know you love them. Give your bro a hug. There's nothing wrong with that. And me and Daquan talked this beforehand. Like, yes, in a lot of cases, especially in the black community, we were raised a certain way. We're like, you know, oh, you don't show your emotions. Boys don't cry. Boys don't hug you. That is all ridiculous. It is, especially everything we're going through in society right now. T- tell your friends you love them. You don't know this. You'll get another chance. You, you never, I mean, there are a couple of people in my high school class that aren't with us anymore. Tomorrow is not promised, really. Just it's nothing. Man. It's not weird to hug you, boy. It's weird that we all have been raised with these weird hangups about hugging each other and showing each other love. That's the part that's weird. Man, here's the thing. Like, I, people never watch sports. Like, what happened? As soon as they, like, when Kobe Shaq won that championship. Right. Kobe was, he jumped up and Shaq was just hugging him in the air. Like. And they basically hated each other at that exactly. point. Exactly. I'm like, <laughs> They still how you, hugged each other when they won a championship. Not just that. You're also talking about two dudes, despite being in Creed 3, are also part of a whole comic book nerd universe. Right. You know, whatever now. Like. That's a whole thing. So it's just like, what are we hating on? You bring up a good point how it's weird that, you know, it's just on the the sports field. It's perfectly okay. Hug me. Guys are always slapping each other on the ass. There's a great key and peel sketch about a guy, you know, who just does it to the point where it's inappropriate. But yeah, it's weird how if we're playing sports, oh, it's fine. We can cry. We can hug, and everybody understands it, celebrates it. You're making a movie. You're doing anything else. Two guys hug each other, and we act like a character for the Boondocks. You know, like, yeah, oh, gay. Like, wait, wait, this is not the, you know there's anything wrong with being gay either. Like, what? why are we like this? When I was down there a couple weeks back for the Hunter Burton 
took some old friends and people came up to the store. We went out to dinner, paid for dinner for them or whatever. And I made it a point to tell each one of them, like, dude, I love you, man. Whenever I hugged them, whatever, like, just so they knew, like, hey, man, like, we're all in this together. Yeah. Right. If you need something, call me. You know, whatever. Please call you call your friends. Check on your friends. Let people know. Hey, you know, it, it does nobody any good to keep all that. I guess this is kind of drifted over into talk about mental health, which again is something that we don't like to do a lot of times as guys, especially as as black guys, because we were in. It's you know, it, it was like I know it was taught to me. You know, as the, the, the boys didn't cry, and there's a certain way. Men are supposed to act and psh, foolishness. It's <laughs> just absolute I mean, foolishness. Did we not learn anything from like Family Matters, the Cosby show, you know, whatever? Like what what why is this still a thing today? Like what there's just I think so much well, I mean, look, here's a prime example. Cameron, you know, a popular rapper, he has a huge platform, he wields a great deal of influence, and he is out there spreading what what in my, I just call it what I feel it is. Toxic masculinity. Shaming shaming two guys for hugging each other. I don't even know the last time I'd have called Cameron popular. (laughs) Like, well, popular enough, you know, that that his his quote caught wings, you know. Now that I'm thinking about it, this might have been Cameron's PR people going like, hey, you want to get on Twitter this week? That, that is that also yeah. is possible. Get in front of some people because ain't nobody talking about you right now. This is a way to get into the news. It absolutely yeah. could be like, hey, I'm still here. Because you said Cameron, and I seriously was like, what was the last thing Cameron even yeah. did? Like, I don't even know. He I'm sure it was fact, like a feature on somebody's album that I just can't. Maybe there's about. a Verzu's battle coming up or something. I don't know. Maybe. He's, I don't know. But but yeah, he is clearly seems like doing a Kevin. It feels like a Kevin Sorbo. Hey, look at me. Look at me. Man, by the way, <laughs> did you see Kevin Sorbo just dunk on himself? Like, because this whole, like, okay, if you don't know, Bud Light's put out some beer cans with some rainbow oh, art. God. And basically the whole thing's come down to pretty much every beer company's been doing something to support LGBT community for the last, hell, 20 years or something. So, whatever. Not really the topic of the moment. But he posted on social, well, it's the last time I'm going to drink Bud Light or whatever, and Bush is better anyway. I'm like, bruh, that's literally the same company. Like, not even like... These, you know, the Bud Light or Anheuser Busch went and bought this company. That's it's that's in their name. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's always been the same company. Exactly. That's one of their like key brands. Like, bruh, how dumb are you? Like, it'd it, one I thing mean, it's the same. It's the same guy who you know gave us the meme. Disappointed. So pretty dumb. <laughs> like, it'd have been one of the things if he'd have been like, "Well, I'm gonna go drink. I don't know, Dosa Keys or Modelo or whatever who've been bought by one of them, and you didn't know. At least that's something. But like, the one that just has Bush in their name, like, really? Like, all right, man, sure. So yeah, but I don't know, man. I, it's it's all silliness. It, I'm it's so dumb. It, it's it, it's hard to look back and watch Hercules, which is a shame. There's a bunch of actors in there, including Lucy Lawless and Bruce Campbell, that aren't terrible. And I guess you realize to try to enjoy their performances if I catch a rerun or something. It's probably, I feel like it's probably on or Peacock and those are universal shows. It's, it's tough, man, because I, I was thinking about that not long ago. When you have actors and actresses like that, 
and you have somebody and, and, you know, you, you believe what you want to believe, but like when you have people that make that big of a shift to be so different than they were when you used to know them yeah. and hung out with them, whatever, how tough does that have to be? You know, cause you know, your lives are going to be forever linked, right? If you go do a trade show or yeah. whatever, like people are going to bring up the other person, whatever. Like we talked about it here on the show. We have a friend, a mutual friend that him and his wife effectively went racist. Yeah. I mean, like we, you know, we talked about it before. Dude who I literally had on my payroll. We've hung out at each other's houses on holidays. Like just, wow. <laughs> like, like, okay, sure. And it's a weird feeling, man. It's yeah. weird. I couldn't imagine if you were literally linked to practically every thought when that when you come up, they come up. You know, that's got to be a pain. I would think about all the people, you know, that were on the Cosby show that uh, they won't ever get oh, those yeah. visuals again. Oh, yeah. That's that's got to be the biggest beating. Not, not just, you know, you're linked to them forever, but you don't even get the benefit of the work you did because the Cosby show will never air on in any TV network. Again. Oh, no. And that was that basically if he didn't screw up, that was syndication for life. Yeah. Like. It's like Will Smith. He will forever make money off the Fresh Prince. Right. Because I can't imagine a time in the future where Fresh Prince isn't on some network somewhere. And right. and now they've remade it, and it's a critical success. I'm oh, yeah. Just... I keep meaning to watch an episode of that. Bel Air? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I Especially haven't sa- I have access to Peacock, too. Yeah, I haven't sat down to watch it either, but everything I heard. Is, and th- that is also just a cool story of how a guy just re-envisions the Fresh Prince Puts it on YouTube and then gets hired by Will Smith. Just wow. I mean, yeah, the American dream right there. And it's and it's kind of how television changes too, right? Like this is a story I don't think you could have told in the early '90s or whatever, or, or the late '90s. You know, it just wouldn't have made as much sense. Whereas now, you've kind of went through some things. The world's gone through some things. Yeah, we all know more about the characters on the show. That now you you, you could have yeah. told the story. You wouldn't have found anybody to put it on your network on the network. Yeah. Is the problem? Yeah, that's definitely the reason. You know, things like Boys in the Hood, Juice, those happened, but it wasn't easy. Yeah, well, and those required black directors too. Yeah. <laughs> but all right, man. Let's talk about some more odd, interesting, fun things. Though maybe not everything so fun, but definitely some interesting facts that people might want to know. So what you got? I just uh, want to give a RIP to Al Jaffe, who, if you don't know, uh, was the long time. I mean, long, <laughs> just retired at age 99 a couple of years ago. Longtime cartoonist for uh, Mad Magazine, just the, the creator of so many iconic uh, bits for Mad TV. Well, well, Mad TV, too, but Mad Magazine in terms of, you know, Alfred E. Newman, the the What Me Worry mascot, and then just the brilliant concept of the fold-in, where, you know, you see one picture on the outside of the magazine, then you do, like, a little fold-in, and it's a completely different piece of artwork depicting another scene. That just, to even come up with something like that is just a, a level of art most of us will never be able to create or envision. And he's somebody that we're talking about, you know, just influence easily four or five generations of your favorite cartoonists, your favorite comedians, you know, cause it's yeah. just, cause as I mentioned, uh, inadvertently mad magazine did become mad TV without mad TV. We, we don't get key and peel in all likelihood. So it's just, yeah, 
or hell, what's his name? The dude that ends up on the NFL shows doing the impersonations or whatever. Oh, um, yeah. Frank Caliendo. Yeah. I mean, Deborah Wilson, who yeah. Deborah's at, in addition to do her comedy work, Deborah's doing dramatic acting now. I think she's played Amanda Waller on a couple of uh, DC oh, yeah, productions. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, just so, yeah. the, his legacy is incredible. And just and to, to imagine be, being able to work, you know, for I don't know exactly when he even started Bad Magazine, but to work until you're 99 years old and to still be putting out quality work that other people are referencing is just unbelievable. Dude, I always find that amazing because a lot of us were just like, man, if we can just make it to 80, that'd be cool. Yeah. And not just like, let me make it a quality 80. You know what I mean? Like, And you got these dudes out here that are, 90 95 100 still trucking like still full thought capacity still doing creative work still getting around you know hell what's her name from the golden girls just died last year or whatever right like she was 99 yeah <laughs> like and still telling jokes exactly like, i mean Kurt had a had a show as recently as what i think three or four years ago yeah, uh, Betty White's offer, and it is a little. It's basically kind of like candid camera with old people, because you know nobody's going to expect somebody old, you know, trying to put one over on you. Dude, one of the best things I saw. Speaking of, from her, she was on the Steve Harvey show. I think it was. This was maybe from like six years ago, seven years ago, and he just kind of doing like a fun fan interview, right? Because he's a fan of hers, and it went. But he's asked her like, of all the things you've done in your career like what's a thing that you haven't done that you really wish you would have gotten to do and dude without it as soon as he was done with the question she just says robert redford with like yeah. the straightest face and dude steve Harvey just lost it like he didn't know what to say right. i'm like man she is still on it <laughs> yep. i looked love it up it. he actually was a contributor to bad magazine for 65 years Wow, that's wild. That's longer than most people live. <laughs> Dude, he that means he was doing that like as we were transitioning out of segregation. Right. <laughs> like, seriously, that's how long. That is, by the way, the Guinness World Record for the longest career as a comic artist, and I can't imagine who's going to touch that. Yeah, nobody's going to break that. Like, that's that's ridiculous. That's cool, man. That's cool. That's, that's how I told you. If you're going to go out having influence among i was gonna say nerds but pop culture as a whole and you get to do it for that long like that's a good celebrated life man i ain't i ain't even mad about that from april 64 to april 2013 there was only one issue of mad magazine published that didn't have new material by him that unbelievable that that's the life that's the type of life you want to have because i tell people when i pass i'd rather people celebrate than cry yeah you know, like now, admittedly, if I would have died at, I don't know, 22 in a car accident or something, that's tragic. Cry about that. Yeah. But like, if I get to make it to 75, 80, 90, and I have fun stories about me out in the world or whatever, like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> like, this this sounds a dude that's, he's good. <laughs> he, he had a good run. Well, mine's not as monumental. However, it could help you. In the kitchen. So first off, you have to like boiled eggs or this doesn't mean anything to you. But I'm cruising around TikTok like a week ago. And I see people doing these things where they're like tapping an egg with a spoon. And I'm like, what the hell is even going on? Right. So 
this whole trend, which turns out to actually be a thing, is that if you have an egg, if you take the, I don't know, the bottom, the fat part, I don't know what we call that, but you know what I'm saying. It's oblong, there's a bigger part on the bottom, right? And you just take the back of a spoon and you just very lightly tap it repeatedly, but at a slow and steady pace, you'll eventually hear a sound that sounds like a crack, but you will have, will not have cracked the shell. I know it sounds crazy, but you, you the only way I can tell you is like when you're done listening to this, go do it and it'll make perfect sense. Like the first time you hear it, it's weird. But the only thing I could find is like you're apparently doing something to like the air pocket and the membrane that's on the inside of the shell. Now, the reason this is important is because then when you go to boil them, once they're cooled off and done, you can peel them pretty damn easy. Like, normally you have that issue where a couple of pieces of the shell want to stick to the white of the egg. Or like, easy peasy when you do this. It just comes right off. And I think it's because you've already broken that seal or whatever. So when it goes to, I guess, cook or boil or whatever, it's not stuck or melted in any way. But, yeah, I don't know who figures this stuff out. I'm, I'm sure there's a scientific, better explanation of what's going on and why. But, like, I, it works. If you boil eggs, if you put them in salads, if you make deviled eggs, whatever, I promise you, we did some this past week. And in my house, we were just dumbfounded it actually worked. Like, first, you're going to be dumbfounded that you even just hear the noise out of the egg because you've never heard that before. And it's a little weird the first <laughs> time you hear it because you're just like, you're just kind of like slowly knocking on it. And then you just hear this like a crack or a snap or whatever. And you're just like, whoa, what? And you check the egg and it's totally fine. And then you do the next one. The next one, you stick them in your pot. Wait your 15 minutes and you'll be amazed. You'll be amazed. I don't. This is why we can't get rid of TikTok. <laughs> right? like, like, this is why, not all this other stuff. Like, just basic. Be, I know so many people that have learned things in their life that they never would have had TikTok not existed. Or we'll say short form content as a whole, because some of the shows up elsewhere. But yeah, like. People aren't on there doing all this other crazy stuff. We're, we're learning how to, like, boil eggs more efficiently. That's what we're doing. But, yeah, check it out, dude. If you hadn't done it, it's amazing. It's amazing. I, I, I don't absolutely know. am going to try that. Even, even if you want to just do it to just hear the egg crack, like, even if you're not ready to boil eggs, I would still do it. Because, you're like. start an ASMR if nobody's done that already. It's, it's weird, man. The first time you do it, I'm telling you. It is. It's cool. But weird. And, you know, yay science. That's kind of all I can give you on that one. But all right, let's get into our topics because we do have quite a few things to cover. The first thing we have today is Ben Blyweiss over at Star City Games posted a picture of a one of 500 Ragavan out of the next set for Magic Gathering, uh, March of the Machine. And honestly, it wasn't so much a big deal that he posted it, but as a consensus, everybody's kind of decided this is the first what we'll call key number that any of us has really seen on any of these serialized cards. Now, key numbers being one through five, you know, the back five, in this case being 495 to 500. Maybe the one in the middle at 250, you know, 42, 69, you know, whatever. Uh, and we don't really know what people are paying for those premiums, right? Because if sports cards have taught us anything, there are collectors for those specific numbers, right? People that are super fans of certain people. Now, I will say sports cards can also come with the thing of like, if you 
opens the 88 out of 100 Michael Irvin, it's like, okay, well, yeah. he also wore number 88, so yeah. that has more significant value. We don't really have that in Magic. But you will see key numbers sell for more than some of the other ones do. And this is kind of the first one. So it's kind of interesting that this might set the precedent for what multiplier does a number one or a number 500 or whatever get compared to the rest of them. But even beyond that, the discussion that's been following is, well, what if this happens with the one of one, the one ring, right? What if some store is opening up some product to have their website ready for whenever the site goes live and all this stuff? What if they happen to open it early? And my thought was, well, then they do. You know, like, but people are saying, oh, then a bunch of people just won't buy packs then. And I'm like, well, people bought a lot of magic packs before when that didn't exist. So are they just going to not magically buy magic packs now? Like, that logic doesn't hold. There's a whole bunch of people that don't know about this, don't care about this. We always forget that when yeah. we talk about any time. Like, little, little, little Timmy at his, you know, local magic tournament, especially if he cares about Lord of the Rings, you, you, good luck stopping him from buying these packs, regardless of what else gets pulled. Yeah, Lord of the Rings fans are still going to buy these to have depictions of their favorite moments of the story and their favorite characters and whatever, just on cards. Like people, yeah. I guarantee you, people that collect Lord of the Rings are going to try to get a full set. They're going to want one of everything. Right. That's going to be a thing. And again, we get caught up talking about the one ring, but we still have all those other like rings of elves, dwarves, and man that are also serialized and out there with the different text and everything else. Now, admittedly, they're not one of one, but if you get one of those elven rings, they're like one of 300. Not that's heavy. Yeah, that's the next smallest quantity we have had of anything that's been serialized. Everything else has been 500 plus. So having something that's only 300, that also might carry. Now, admittedly, you get one of those premium ones you're talking about, probably at best a couple thousand tops. So it's not like you're talking about half, you know, half a million to a million or whatever that the one ring could be. But still, it's still worth having. It's still worth chasing. And we have a we've had other inserts in Magic packs that weren't worth nearly as much as the One Ring, and people still bought a lot to get those. When you're talking about the expeditions and the uh, inventions and stuff like that that we've had in past sets, so if people are willing to buy products to get those, and those card for card are worth less than what the serialized one should be, why are they going to just stop buying when the serialized one still exists? Right. The logic just doesn't hold for me. So I think it's a concern that doesn't really need to be a concern, to be honest. And truthfully, I'm still of the belief if Wizards is being thoughtful about it. Now, have your opinions of however you will. But if they're being thoughtful about it. I genuinely believe that card is either going to end up in whatever selection of boosters goes into pre-release kits. Or whatever the first wave is after that, that goes to distributors or events. I honestly think that because it just makes the most sense to me, right? You're, they're still legally putting it out there. So it's not like they're holding it or whatever. It would still be technically in the first wave of products. So everybody would have a shot at getting some. 
you know, but you increase the odds that it will go to one to possibly a consumer and as opposed to a business and two into a format that is more likely to be open because most pre-release kits get opened. Right. You know, a few sit around, people hold them for collector's sake or whatever. But even if you have them at a retail store, usually some amount of time goes by that they know they're not going to sell the pre-release kit. They just open it to sell the packs or, or break them for singles or whatever. So I would think that is the best move, but I, I don't know. I literally have no inside info on what they're going to do with these, but I don't know about it. Like, how do you feel about it? Do you think it's going to matter if somebody opens the one ring or not on how the set's going to sell? I, I mean, th- these other sets have been selling without this happening. So I, I wouldn't think it's going to be a problem. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. It's just, if if it hadn't been a problem. I'm sure there, there will be some people who are only buying this to get the one ring. And yeah, sure, they'll stop. But it, it, that will be balanced out by a number of people who are going to buy it because I, I don't know. Is, is there a card that says uh, today is not that day? You know, they're buying for that card. They don't care what it's worth. They just want that card. That's true. And, and let's be real, right? If you are one of those people, you they're probably doing you a favor by opening it early. Right? Because you're talking yeah. about you were spending piles of money to try to find a one in I don't know. I mean, billions of cards are printed for each set. So, like, what is that? Like, one in, like, 800 million boosters or something? Like, you probably shouldn't be hunting for that reason. Like, there, there's upside, sure. But if you're not buying it for all those other things, uh, I don't I don't know. Like, you're just buying an expensive lottery ticket. <laughs> like, but, hey, some people want to spend their money like that. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're welcome. Sure. People, people play the lottery. Yeah, and if if it, like I said, if it being found slows that type of person down from buying, they're probably doing them a favor. So I don't even feel bad about that, but I can't imagine that card being opened is going to shift that much. But like I said, I think if I'm in Watsy's shoes, I'd probably try to make it increase the odds that it shows up in a pre-release kit. I think that's the, the best location for it. And you probably get the highest viral moment because it'll be at some event where there'll be even a small event. Probably these days is going to have like 15, 20 people. Somebody's going to take a picture or tell the person what they have. It's going to show up on socials, you know, whatever, right. as opposed to some business gets it, hoards it. Or like we talked about before, you know, little Sally gets it in a booster pack from grandma. Doesn't even know what the hell she has. So you never hear about it, you know? So, yeah, I, I think that's the move. The more and more I think about it. But who knows? But I don't think it'll affect sales all that much. All right. So here's an interesting thing that some people may not have known, but uh, you can't just go and copy people's stuff on YouTube and just put it on your YouTube channel. That's, That's pretty much against the rules for good reason. But there is a case for what we call fair use, right? Let's say you see a new music video and you want to give your take on the song or the video or whatever, you can review it showing clips at a time and talking about what you like or don't like, or maybe some lyrics in the song or whatever it is. Right. Or maybe even a movie or something like that, or even more, maybe you're putting together a video about mob culture and maybe you want to use like a 10 second clip from Goodfellas and a five second clip from the Sopranos and whatever, right? Like 
you, it allows you to do that. But there have been people that have pushed back on it before about really trying to protect their license, their IP, and whatever. And usually, something like YouTube would just say, all right, and then they'll just tell you to take your video down. Or you get in this weird monetization thing where the owners of the other footage get to make money off of it, and you don't, and it becomes a whole thing. But we had a ruling for the first time that actually favored the person making the video. No, not the owner of the original footage, but the person doing the reaction. And the reason this is important is because it I feel like we all kind of know the legal definition of fair use. We even have different lawyers on social media that have talked about it and how to do it safely and whatever. But it hasn't really been challenged or at least not been ruled on, to my knowledge, from a high court. And this weekend or this last week, we had somebody actually drop a ruling that said, nope. These people, at, I believe it's H3H3 Productions, are actually in the right. And, for example, or in this particular example, we have a person who isn't the best human, I would say, <laughs> from the way he does his videos anyway, which is the whole reason they wanted to do a review of it, right? He basically does this whole thing. Like, he kind of has a smarmy character, but I don't think he it's unironically smarmy, right? I don't think he knows that it's a smarmy character, <laughs> but it really is. And he always has like women in his video where they're either overly sensitive or they're overly aggressive and whatever they're doing sets up him for a punchline. Like it's, it's weirdly self-serving and just like, when you talk about something being cringe, like go, go look at a Matt Haas video. H-O-S-S, like a Matt Haas video. Like, his stuff is cringe, literally. Like, and he he actually legally pushed back on them, like went to sue them, and that's why we have a ruling now. Now, the reason we bring it up is this is important for content because now it means we at least know what the bare minimum legal, legally accepted use is, right? Now, there might be more leeway, plus or minus in that. We don't know, but we at least have a baseline. This is also good for somebody like YouTube, because now when there are cases they need to make a decision, they can kind of compare and go like, all right, this is close enough to that type of use. We're probably okay. You get to keep it. Tell the other person to shut up, right? So this could change content a bit for some people. There's also a lot of people who've had reaction channels and different things who haven't been able to get monetized. Right. So this could change for those people, too. So this is a very this is kind of one of those times where, you know, legal rulings do matter to a larger scope of people, even than the folks that are just being ruled on. And this is kind of cool. I don't know. Have, did you get a chance to look at any of this, dude? Yeah. And I, I think this is the right ruling. I mean, it's, it's kind of similar to, you know, how courts address libel and slander when you make yourself a public figure as uh, Matt Haas has. Your, you know, your, your standard for anybody slandering or libeling you and like your burden of proof is much higher. So, you know, when you put yourself out there, yeah, this is the kind of stuff that happens. Even more so, I think, when you're doing something that's so over the top and trying to be a caricature of society of, yeah. in some ways, you know, like 
I guess, trying to make satire, but doing a bad job of it. Exactly. The, right. the downside, you know, of, I guess it's really the downside of trying to do what, uh, and as you say, he may not consider his content to be controversial, but it obviously is. Oh, That's sure, so sure. People like, and, are allowed to push back. And don't get me wrong, I'm not sitting here, like, being a bleeding heart and saying, like, you know, women's rights and whatever, but, like, just look at his videos. Like, they're they're pretty poor examples of a lot of things. But he tries to have himself come off, like I said, very self-serving. You know, like, there's there's footage where he's even, like, filming himself doing parkour it is not the most fluid looking parkour you've ever seen. You know, so it, it's, it's odd, but I thought it was an interesting ruling, something to keep on our radars. And I think it does matter for the future, especially as we start talking about, you know, how we brought it before with AI, you know, at what point is it borrowing? At what point is it rewriting? You know, can it use somebody else's code for part of the thing? You know, those rulings are going to start coming up. Like, you know, if a site generates music and it's made up, like, but it's custom, like, who owns it? You know what I mean? Like, I don't think we've really addressed that. Like, if I go to, like, because there's sites now that you can go actually make AI music. Now, they're they're okay. They, they, they actually do pass a reasonable test, I think, for most people. And like we said before, like, the crazy thing is right now, this is the worst all these AI things are going to be. They only get better from here. But at some point, if I go to a website and I produce your software or website technology, whatever, to produce a thing, whether that's a piece of art, a song, article, whatever, and I use it, do you own the rights to it? Or do I? Because it only exists because of your software, but like I... It wouldn't have been made if I didn't put in the parameters to have it produce the thing, right? Like we're, we're going to have a whole lot of interesting court rulings. Real, <laughs> well, I would say soon, but I think in the near future, as we get all this AI stuff sorted out, for sure. And and honestly, I think ultimately what's going to come down to is people just selling subscriptions to their site. Like, hey, for five bucks, ten bucks, whatever, go ham, make whatever the hell you want, <laughs> right? Like we get paid every month. We don't have to worry about what you do go for it. But yeah, this is an interesting ruling. I think it's going to be a thing we're going to hear about multiple times. You know, when we start talking about content creators getting into fights over stuff like that, this is going to be the one that gets referenced for this topic, which is kind of cool that, you know, everything we reference, I feel like happened kind of before our time. And now we're going to be part of a series of rulings that are totally relevant to us happening in real time. So kind of neat. But uh, let's talk about a way that gamers can come together. And that comes by way of a group called LFG Nexus. Now, if you ever heard the term LFG, it's looking for group, which kind of makes sense because their whole thing is to try to bring gamers of all types together. And ultimately, it sounds like their large pie-in-the-sky goal is to have a setup of website and app that regardless of whatever games you play, whether you're a cosplayer or you're a board gamer or you're in a LARP thing or whatever. They apparently can... even got pool on here. They got all yeah. So if you can find players in your area to play whatever game it is you're looking for or types of games that you're looking for or nerd things, really, I should say, because I think conventions and stuff are also listed 
Cause and man, I'll tell you what right now, I live in an area where there's like a nerd convention every other weekend. I need something like that. Like I've literally had three, four weeks in a row where people are like, Hey, are you going to this convention? I'm like, Oh no, wasn't that last weekend? They're like, Oh no, that was this other one. There's this one this weekend. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh my bad. Right. The idea is cool. I just think it's a very daunting task. Now, and this comes up because they're using a site called WeFunder. And if you don't know what that is, it, think of it like Kickstarter. But instead of you getting an item, you're investing in the company like uh, Shark Tank style. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? You're saying, hey, I'm going to give you this pile of money. Hope you do well. And at some point, I see a return on my money. Right? You're you're just directly investing in something versus taking your money to, I don't know, whoever, whatever site you're using for your 401k or whatever, and them just picking some stocks for you, right? You're, you're getting to buy directly into a company. Now, there's no guarantee you're going to get anything for your money or not, but I figure I'll toss them something because I'm probably, if they even work 80% as good as they're hoping, I'll probably be a user of their software, honestly, because, you know, I do some disc golfing. I like playing magic. I occasionally play some team fight tactics. I like going to conventions. There's going to be some stuff on their website that I could use to find other gamers. And that'd be sweet. Or hell, if I just want to find people to go out, hang out, walk the park, play Pokemon Go, I'm sure that's in there somewhere. Right? So I like the concept. I just feel it's going to be a very tough task because you're talking about ultimately on their team because they, they do mention a thing that I think is true, right? That all the information for gamers is so fractured right now. Like if you're a video gamer, you have to keep track of like 15 different tournament series or whatever. And they all have their own different websites and everything else, right? Like if you play magic, you play Pokemon, you play Yu-Gi-Oh! They're all on different websites. They all have different creators. Each company's has a whole different tournament set up. Like it's hard to keep track of things. Hell, it's hard to keep track of stuff even with just one game sometimes. So having everything in a central location would be very cool. You know, being able to like, let's say you just moved, especially, and you're going to college somewhere or whatever, you could immediately know where all the nerd things are within like 15 miles of you. Like, that's pretty cool. So like, I, I like it, but I think they ultimately are going to end up having to have a pretty large staff, right? Because you're going to have to have like a miniature games expert, a board game expert, a card game expert, a cosplay expert, whatever. So they are focused on these relationships, these calendars, whatever. So you're able to keep your site and your app up to date. And, and those are probably teams of people, right? Each one of those is probably three, four, five people. So it, it's a cool idea. I just don't know if they can get there, dude. Like, I, I'm into it. I just don't know if they can get there. You're probably, I, I mean, you think at the beginning they're going to have a team of four or five people for each of these? No, I think in the beginning you just you get one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you you, you like get are you one. ever probably gonna need a team of four or five people for let's say eight ball pool? Probably not. No, but that's that's probably still like two people. You know, I could see that being a thing. Um Chris, I, I I don't play pool. If y'all want to spell us know how many <laughs> or how and because I mean, is it hard, dude? Don't you just I don't know. Every I guess I'm going by what I've seen in, on TV. Don't you just go to the pool hall? There's other people there playing pool. <laughs> Maybe, but but again, it's do you know where all the tournaments are? Are the amateur tournaments and the competitive tournaments? And are there appearances by the different celebrities showing up at different events? Or you know, who knows? Are are certain people in the industry looking to sponsor creators in those spaces? 
right? Like, that's are there thing. pool creators? I guess there probably are. They're creators. Oh, for they everything. definitely are. Oh, yeah, because okay. there's people that do like trick shot websites and okay. all that stuff, right? So that's got to be a thing they could work in there too, right? Relationships with the vendors and the thing. Because if you're the home, you're the hub where all the nerds are coming. Like, could be kind of cool. So yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's one of those ones like I'm really pulling for them. Like it's a cool idea and a cool website, especially in this we've talked about before, right? We're at a point in society where nerd and geek culture is is strong. Right? Yeah. So if you can pull this off, the upside is gigantic. But I don't know how much they're going to be able to raise for this type of effort. And I would imagine their burn rate on the cash is going to be pretty high. So, but again, if you can get it and it even works decently in the beginning being able to tell somebody like being able to go to marvel and say like we have the best website and the best app for geeks and you've got a new movie coming out like we want to want to put your stuff on our website right banner ad (laughs) integrated promotions whatever that's huge like they would probably pay a lot for that right or the new pokemon thing coming out or whatever right those companies would pay or hell to super Mario brothers movie just came out. The D and D movie just came out, right? Like you'd be able to make bank on those. So yeah, it's, it's one of those things. I feel like the timing's right. Just hope you have the people, not even just the technical side, but the logistics side really to pull it off. But man, it's a cool idea. Cool idea. But yeah, if you want to check them out, uh, they're called LFG Nexus. Uh, you can find their current project over on WeFunder. I believe you can do WeFunder. Looking at the link I have here, WeFunder.com slash LFG underscore Nexus 2. So it's WeFunder.com slash LFG underscore Nexus 2 if you want to go see. And just uh, get a deep dive because they explain what they're trying to do and what their goals are and all that. And it's an interesting site to get familiar with. You might find something else on there that you want to invest in. But uh, there was some other news that came out kind of accidentally this week. So yeah, Brian, why don't you tell us all about this? Yeah, uh, Disney Lorcana had, I guess you would call a rules leak uh, this week. It apparently uh, was going to be, well, I guess it's still going to be part of Game Trade Magazine's May cover issue and just, well, you know, as I say all the time, if two people know something, that's one too many. Mm-hmm. So it leaked, and a lot of this is familiar, seven-card hand, 60-card deck. Uh, you're not doing 20 life, you're doing 20 lore, is what they're calling it, but still the same, you know, same value in terms of, I guess, what your, what, what the end game goal is for the game. So, and we figured it would be nothing necessarily revolutionary here, because it's a Disney game, they probably want to keep it, you know, you, wanna, you don't want to make it too overly complex. Yeah, it was kind of interesting because it's it's like there was probably like if you ever see, I mean, you've seen a ton of games, but like how they put the fold up, like the eight fold thing in the starter set. That's sort of what it was. It was like the fold out sheet you would get that have the rules laid out on the front and the back that just somebody just like that's the thing I have a problem with. It's like how do, you can't you can't even say that's an accidental leak. Like how does that accidentally end up somewhere? This isn't like I mean somebody's... accidental probably on Ravensburger's part maybe, but yeah, because I'm like this is a whole like digital document. This isn't like somebody forwarded an email, 
you know, that said something like. I mean, you'd be amazed how many times somebody hits the wrong button, forward something to somebody that, or I, I'll give you an example. You know, this, this is, this isn't even a document. Uh, some, some politicians were having an argument in front of me and I guess they just forgot there was a reporter at the table. And then he told me, Oh, all that's off the record. Uh, no mayor. That's now how off the record works. You have to tell me about the record. First of all, before you say it, second of all, this was in public. 200 people saw you. You can't go off the record. Oh, bruh. I've had some things at like some of the private clubs I played at in Texas for poker. Yeah. People get comfortable. Ooh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you ain't lying. There's some. You would I, be amazed at how things get out. Yeah, just, there's there's some things you kind of just went like you almost don't even want to say anything and remind them you're there, right? Because I don't, right? I don't want the ire of nobody. I'm just I'm gonna keep my head. Yeah, down I'm just sitting here being like, okay, they, they can't. They they clearly forgot I was here. But yeah, this is this is interesting, right? To like I I say that, but like it's not gonna change anything. Overall, right? People yeah, I think who, we both felt like Disney Lorcana is going to be a hit unless they just screw something up really badly. <laughs> just yeah, I, I'm with you still. I like. I mean, I've seen Disney collectors. I've seen how people act at the Disney store when just even the random smallest new thing shows up. Yeah, I can't imagine this is going to be a hard sell. And everything right. Ravensburger has done with the Disney license so far has been well received. So I'm not thinking this is going to be the first time they drop the ball. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. This is potentially the most profitable thing. Everything before has been like a one of board game. This is going to be ongoing in theory, license to print money. So yeah, I don't see them. I, I it'd be hard to envision them screwing this up. Disney has already developed a long term working relationship with them. And trust them. So yeah, I think this is a hit. Again, barring something just barring something catastrophic. Now, the next game we're going to talk about, we probably have differing opinions on that. That's true. <laughs> and this one was an intentional press release from uh, Cryptozoic and Ukes on DC Dual Force. It still is because we really hadn't heard anything since I want to say 2021, and it was originally slated for release in 2022. That obviously. <laughs> Yeah. Did not happen, but yeah, but now we've got a new trailer. We've got uh, almost kind of like a, a rules document for it that mentions at least a couple of uh, a couple of terms. And basically, what it's going to do is you're going to have well, you, your deck will be built around two heroes slash villains, like you know Batman, Superman, Joker, Gorilla Grodd, whoever. Then you'll have minions, and apparently you can only use like what is it I said two two characters. So your deck will basically be two different colors. And then uh, there's going to be five different colors, which I guess that's, yeah, that's pretty much the same as Magic, right? Five colors, you think? Yep. That's, okay, yeah. Five See. colors, some, and then you're basically playing on a three-by-two board, and I guess to uh, to destroy, your, your goal is probably going to be to, you know, to destroy both of the leaders of the opposing faction, and then, of course, they'll have minions, and you got to hit the minion before you hit the leader. So, again, nothing just extremely revolutionary, but we're, you know, I'm... Hoping this is going to do something. And then e even the uh, various uh, game terms, lethal, card to lethal, KO any minions they damage. That's that's a pretty, you know, that that's happened in multiple card games before. So nothing, it's nothing shocking there. It almost so got, sounds like a mix of like three or four different games. Yeah. Like, like uh, there's haste, apparently. they got It's called speed in this game. But yeah, nothing that you, what's the problem? I don't see a mechanic yet that I haven't seen before. 
Did you ever play a game? It was actually from the History Channel called Anachronism. I did. I want to, and I never have. I always wanted because I know you probably get a deck for like a dollar now. It actually like they they played on a three by three grid, if I remember right. And you would have characters from throughout history, and they would have different weapons or whatever, and you can mix and match. And depending on where they were in the grid, like certain strikes were worth more. It was easier to defend or whatever. And it was it was kind of cool. But this sort of sounds like it's it's up that alley. Was the first thing I thought of when you described that. I was like, wait. By the way, sweet game. If you haven't checked it out, you literally get to have like, I don't know, like a Genghis Khan level emperor against like a ninja or a pirate or whatever. Like all these different. I I saw Oliver Cromwell was in it. I mean, just just some kind of random historical figures. It's pretty cool. I I definitely want to pick it up because we got a house full of history buffs. So I think that's something we would enjoy. Oh, yeah. you, You should check that out. But yeah, I mean. I will give them credit because you're at least doing something different, right? And saying like, if you're going to try to force your way into the market at this point among card games and you're, and you're not Disney, that's literally the 800 pound gorilla or whatever, like Disney I mean, Warner brothers has an 800 pound gorilla potential. They just been screwing up left and right lately. They well, yeah, are, but, they, but they've been feeding that gorilla sedatives for 30 years. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, you know, like that's the problem. Right where Disney literally has their own distribution system with all their Disney stores and theme parks and everything else, so like they already have a leg up. Like they could do a million things. Hell, you it could be for the next month. Show up to a Disney park and they're just going to give you a booster pack or a starter set yeah. or whatever. Right? They can get the distribution out there if they wanted to. Like they they have a leg up way over everybody else. One of the things I'll say that they appear that this appeals to be more than what Marvel Snap is doing. It looks like their cards, you know, your which char- the characters you're playing actually will matter and interact with each other. For example, they spoiled a punchline card since she's the Joker's henchman. Apparently, like, she can't be killed long as Joker is in play or something. That's the thing, you know, that the Marvel Snap, for example, doesn't do because you there's no reward for having say twelve X Men in your deck. They just Oh. Yeah, and that and that's the tough part about Snap is that individual cards are really flavorful, but they don't seem to yeah, really care about the other cards. Like like the X Men, okay, sure, same thing. There's two or three different game mechanics just on that team. <laughs> like yeah. Professor X and Storm, you know, lockdown locations. They don't let you play there. Wolverine and Sabretooth got a whole different thing going on where you can't destroy them. So people that are, you know, in theory Part, part of the same group, but that don't, again, no reward for using all of them in the same deck. It's just kind but of But how bizarre. cool would it be if, like, I don't know, Professor X gets plus two if you played at least two other X-Men this game? Yeah. Or, I'm trying to think of something else, but, like, I don't know, maybe Omega Red makes opposing Wolverines to less power or something, yeah. right? Like something like that, like would have been like, oh, okay. So as the meta shifts, certain characters might become better or worse or whatever. Like that could be a thing. Or like, you know, uh, for maybe like first class, let's say if you have one of the original group of X-Men, they get a bonus or something. Yeah. Something. I mean, you can make the locations like you're saying could matter more for them. Like there's a bunch of things you could do. But yeah, I, th- I think that is the benefit they're at least paying attention to on this new DC game is, hey, your characters you choose matter. And not, you know, just, your, not just your henchmen, but with each other yeah. and what you're going to face off against. 
Because that's one of the things DC has, you know, that really most other companies don't have. It's like, okay, everybody knows if if Batman and Superman are in the same place, it's the world's finest. If uh, Green Lantern and Green Arrow are in the same place, okay, you got hard traveling heroes. If uh, you're just I, Batman and anybody is the brave and the bold, you know what I'm saying? basically <laughs> at this stage. But yeah, it it could be a lot of fun, and I'm pulling you know, for it. I'll probably still check it out. Yeah, you I'm know, definitely I, at least. Pl- they're also doing. It looks like they're going to have a lot of a big focus on player, you know, PVE. Kind of mm. taking, I guess, uh, some some cues from Hearthstone. They, they have yeah. what they're going to basically call comic book arcs, and you'll be able to play the Killing Joke, uh, Superman, Red Sun, what have you. Some of the greatest comic book storylines from DC. Now, so do we know cool. when that is releasing? Uh, all they say so far is coming soon. So hopefully, sometime. Well, we heard that two years ago too. Um, I it, like that's the tough part, right? Because. I kind of feel like this could be a game that's a victim of its own timing and not even because of just the other games that are going to be on the market, but because of just the DC Warner brothers reboot that's going on, right? Like if it's too early, you lose a chance to like amplify certain characters. People really like, like if it's too late, you've kind of, you've built some characters, hopefully that you may or may not be able to, you know, take advantage of. Like it's it's gonna be a really interesting thing. Though, when you got you know the icons, like okay, you're gonna make Superman and Batman good. You don't need to know that there are movies coming out. Superman and Batman need to be good cards. No, <laughs> Wonder but, Woman needs to be a good card. But you do need people to be excited to go get it. Like that's the thing because they can be great in the game, but if people aren't excited or hyped about those characters at that point, it's a little tough. When would comic book fans not be hyped about Superman or especially Batman? When when is there Batman's Man. been hyped since what nineteen eighty nine at least? Batman, I could give you, but I honestly, like, I truly feel like Superman hype died out with those I mean, last yeah, his, his movies are trash, but nobody dislikes at least the recent ones, in my opinion. But I don't think anybody dislikes the character of Superman. No, but I don't think. But I've seen fewer people even like sharing memes, rushing out to buy stuff, whatever than I did previously. And I think it's literally some of that is brand damage. People probably still like the character, but do you want to be repping something or be hyped about something to have everybody just keep reminding you? Yeah, but the last movie was crap. You know, whatever. Thing, though, I mean, even though I think it was bad, I mean, the Snyder, the restored the Snyderverse people loved it. I'll take there, your word the, for it. I, I'm the, with the, you. I still think it was bad. There are people that will, well, you've seen the restore the Snyderverse group, right? You, you yeah, were, yeah. They they got they got the movie put back on HBO Max and it's so yeah there's while I think Man of Steel and Batman vs Superman both have major problems I am I don't want to say in the minority but there are people who will fist fight me over this dude you know? the craziest thing is did you have you seen oh there was a video I wish I remembered the link on the internet where a guy went through and he colorized the Man of Steel because it because it has that very like Batman style like dark yeah. gray scale in a lot of places. And he went and colorized everything. So it looks like a Superman movie. And dude, it feels different. Yeah. Like, generally. Like, nothing else has changed about it. But it makes everything feel different. And I'm like, why? Why did we take the cut? Even the look of Superman. Right? Like, he's bright blue and red and yellow or whatever. And, like, we made it this, like, really dark, almost, like, cobalt steel kind of color. And this is like, eh... Snyder really only kind of knows one way to make movies, and it's the the grim dark. 
Which for three hundred that works. For oh, Batman that would work. Superman, no, not nearly as much. And again, I think that's what Marvel got right. It's just saying like, hey, these movies have to feel different. Yeah, you know, like Werewolf by Night feels different than say, you know, Captain America. Yeah, as it should. But even Captain America feels different than Iron Man. Yeah. It feels different than. Hell, everything actually. I was about to, but you know, yeah. definitely different than something like Black Panther. You know, Winter, you know, like, uh, it's, uh, the Winter Soldier is basically it's a spy movie where there's some occasional super superhero fisticuffs, basically. Yeah, and and then having the wherewithal to like do an Avengers movie to say, okay, this overall has to have its own feel, but we have to still have moments for each of these things to feel similar enough to each of their individual titles. Yeah. Right. That 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 is a good bit of directing to say, like, we're drawing fans from each of these individual licenses. So we have to give them something. But they also have to know that, like, hey, when it's Avengers time, it's going to be different. Yeah. Then you have scenes, you know, like with Thor and Loki are fighting in their kind of faux Shakespearean style. Yeah, of course. While, while Iron Man's standing there, Shakespeare in the park. <laughs> Doth mother know you playeth with her. Yeah. But, but you know, it's absolutely what Iron Man would be doing while they're monologuing. And then you have stuff that goes way out of left field, like Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. Right. And it's the whole 80s music thing and all that. And like, And it has a distinctly different feel. But it allows you to touch all these different fan bases and everybody can find something. Whereas, like, if you weren't the biggest fan of just, like, the grimdark Batman, well, you're not gaining anything from Superman existing. Right, it's more of the same. Just for some reason, we made Superman emo. <laughs> like, yeah, like just, I don't know why. But I yeah, think man. they just uh, were a victim of what they felt like was popular in the marketplace, and they didn't realize that Dark Knight isn't a good movie because b- because of how dark it is. It's because you know, first of all, that works for Batman. It's impeccably acted, impeccably directed, and impeccably written. All they, they hit all of those. It's just also weird though, right? Because like Batman, I get it, right? His he lost his family and he's being raised by his butler and you know, he's got rich guy problems, whatever. But like Superman is like, was adopted by awesome people and lived on a ranch with like nobody jacking off with him. Right. He gets his whole world to do whatever he wants. He's respected. He has all the power, but then for some reason we're going to make him like, Oh, why is everybody afraid of me? Like, you know, like, like, yeah, like like, you destroyed half of Metropolis and snapped general Zod's neck. Dude, the fact that, like, you even had to go through the rigmarole of, like, are the cops really going to try to arrest Superman? What are we doing? <laughs> like, like, what's even happening here? Like, none of that made sense. Like, it was it was a whole mess. It was a whole mess. But, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I, I think Lorcana, probably an easy success. I think minimum, it's going to probably go five, six sets before it loses any power, I would think. Because, again, Disney can keep pumping it, keep hyping it. They can pay whatever creators to do content for it. Like they can keep it in the public eye without breaking their budget and probably still keep the game profitable for probably at least two years, which is why I'm saying five or six sets, assuming you put one out every four months or so, right? On Disney schedule. So like that kind of makes sense. And it's an easy way to market like new movies and stuff. Cause you can yep. have like, Hey, show up to the movie, get, whatever new character card for your deck or whatever, right? Like they did with Pokemon back in the day. Right. Or Yu-Gi-Oh too. I think they did that, right? So that's the thing you could totally get away with, which is easy slam dunk for them. 
So yeah, it's but the, yeah, this DC thing, I like what they're doing. I I hope I'm with you. Do I think it's going to be a success? I don't really know, but I'm kind of hoping for them, right? Because a superhero game being on the market would be nice. But all right, let's hop things into the dinner table here. And this is kind of a thought-provoking question for us. But the question today is, how much responsibility do we feel that we have to our communities now that we have some type of social media reach or influence? And man, I don't know. I, I'm. This is always a tough one, right? Because the way I see it, like, I, I don't want to be, you don't ever want to be full of yourself, right? And be like, well, I, now I have this much power and I'm going to, you know, my opinion matters or whatever. Speak for yourself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, I want but unlimited it, power. Exactly, right? <laughs> but, it, but at some point, you do have to acknowledge that you have at least some modicum of power that people are paying attention to. You have some amount of influence. I mean, if you just started, like if you have a hundred followers, well, you you have a hundred more people paying attention to your words than you did a month ago or whatever, right? Like that matters. And I try to tell people sometimes to put it in perspective, right? You might look at a video and go, man, my video only did a thousand views. I was like, yeah, but imagine being in a hall where you're speaking to a thousand people. Yeah. Right? Like that still matters. It's easy for me to understand because I've been at comedy shows where the where you know the actors outnumber the uh, the uh, the audience. Yeah, right. So, yeah, it, I never take it for granted that hey, yeah, if, and I have videos that you know twenty people watch, but yeah, I've performed for less than twenty people before, so I get it. I'm happy. I'm happy if five people listen to something I have to say. So yeah, for. For, for something like this podcast to reach a thousand people, some of those people aren't even in the United States. This is a mind boggling level of reach for me. Yeah. And that's what I think is hard to put in perspective sometimes. Just like how much weight does that have and with who? You know, because one of the things, and I think I may have talked about this on the show before, is now that I've been doing what I've been doing for three years, building up a decent audience, you know, I've appeared on different people's projects. So there's more people that know of me at least it's starting to become a little bit of a thing when I go out to an event or a nerd thing or something and somebody, Oh wait, are, are you the dude that does magic videos? Are you power dragon? You know, and they want to come over and take a picture or whatever. And, you know, I always accommodate them, whatever, because they don't watch my stuff and follow. I don't, I don't get paid. But as that starts happening to other people, they've asked like, well, how do you deal with this? And the reality is like understanding that in my world, I know I ain't crap, right? Like I'm, I'm still a blip on the radar, you know, even realistically until you're really over like a hundred thousand, you're still kind of a blip on the radar. Right. But they don't know wild, that. but yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and in their world, you mean so much more, right? Because they always, it's that whole parasocial relationship thing, right? Like they are going to have more of a connection with you than you will with them. And it's just unavoidable, right? Because right now we're recording into the void. We're staring at microphones and cameras <laughs> and we don't know who's going to watch this, when yeah. they're going to watch it, how they're going to consume it, whatever. Right. Whereas the individual gets to make their perfect scenario for enjoying our content, whether that's a ride to work in the mornings where they're listening or 
I don't know, they're rocking their kid to sleep and they just want something to listen to while they do that, or they're cooking and they're watching in the background or whatever it is, right? They are going to have a much bigger connection and you kind of have to accept that. But with that becomes how much people hang on to your words, you know, and you, you do have to be careful about that. And before I did this, I mean, I was a reporter. So whenever I've in some form been creating content since I was in middle school, because that's when I started writing for, you know, the school papers and whatnot. So, yes, I've always tried to make sure that when I sign my name to something or now when I say my name into a microphone that I'm actually promoting it, promoting causes I believe in when I'm interviewing people, I'm interviewing people who I feel deserve to be in the newspaper or in front of a microphone or what have you. Yeah. And, and I get that totally. Right. Just you are in the habit of just saying, Hey, I got to make sure that at least I'm willing to sign my name to this when it's done. And that's kind of where I start and finish with things, right? I don't have anything out there that if somebody wanted to challenge me on it or have a sit down over it because it rubs somebody the wrong way or whatever, that I'm not willing to discuss it or defend it or whatever, right? And I think that's kind of where everything starts. Like, are you being genuine enough with your content that, you know, if somebody does bring it up later, that you're willing to talk about it, yeah. you know, or willing to defend it if need be. I don't know if everybody does that when they put stuff out, you know, they, but I think that is an important aspect of it. But beyond believe that, me, I, I've had people <laughs> call me up and be like, you lost me this election. Really? <laughs> you you have far more, or you think I have far more influence than I do, sir. I can't even convince my wife <laughs> which way to vote, let alone anybody outside of this house. Yeah, that's a little weird, too, where people think you have more than you do as well. Like, that's, that, that's also a weird thing. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I like my thing is even with this show, like some of it is just talking about parts of the game industry and things that people don't necessarily know about. You know, like today we talked about how does a serialized card affect people's buying habits, right? Like the whole fair use thing among creators and how people may or may not see more or less of this because of the ruling, right? There's there's things that we're just making creating awareness because there's all these weird parts of society in the industry or whatever that people just don't know about. So, we're, I mean, we're really putting, you know, as the cliche as it is, our blood, sweat, and tears into this because, for example, depending on, you know, which newspaper I was at, I was often told what I was writing about today. I've shared the story on here where when I was in the editorial department of the Shreveport Times, I was uh, asked to, to write something opposed to raising the minimum wage while my other job was at Papa John's pizza where I worked for minimum wage. <laughs> yeah. That's always really weird too. I was like, excited about the editorial till I was informed. I was opposed to the minimum wage increase because I thought I was for it. <laughs> yeah. And that's such a weird thing, right? Because even if you're like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take the paycheck, whatever. Now, if somebody reads that and they're mad about it, they're coming at you. They ain't coming at your boss because your name's right. on it, you know? Thankfully, in that case, my name actually wasn't because it would just be Times <laughs> Editorial Board. I was perfectly happy my name wasn't on that one. But yeah, it's it's an interesting thing, man. I And here, it, you know, we sit down beforehand and figure out, hey, like, what happened this week? And sometimes, you know, there are things that, okay, there are weeks with entirely, it's like, this is one of those weeks where, hey, a lot of stuff, we had a bunch of leaks and things happening, so. Yeah. 
just lots of things. Like I said, it's, I think more than anything is just understand your goal, understand your audience and who you're speaking to, and then just be true to that. And I think everything else works itself out, right? I don't try to think too much about power, influence, whatever. That's not really a driving force for me. Never really has been. So I think that's why to kind of just go like, eh, is this filling the need we want it to fill? You know, as long as the answer is yes, I'll keep doing it. And hopefully people appreciate it. But all right, Brian, what's your about where they can find you on the social media machines? All right. I am Brian Sionic on Twitter, YouTube. Our family channel on YouTube is Alan's Ever After. And you can find me just about everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. And hopefully this goes up on time and y'all are running into me this weekend at Command Fest Orlando. And I'm not tired as dirt because, boy, it's going to be a busy couple of hours getting down there or a couple of days, not hours. But as always, whenever you're watching or listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening and good night. Please take care of yourselves and your family and remember to be awesome and be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate under patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base. <laughs>